0: Welcome to CMO Confidential, the podcast that takes you inside the drama, decisions, and choices that go with being the head of marketing. Hosted by five-time CMO, Mike Linton. Today's episode of CMO Confidential is brought to you by CMOCoaches.com. Are you a current or aspiring chief marketing officer looking to take your career to the next level? You should work with a CMO coach. CMO coaches are former CMOs who are nationally certified coaches. So whether you want to improve your leadership skills, develop your team, or drive better business results, we have the experience and expertise to help you succeed. To learn more, visit us at cmocoaches.com.
1: Welcome, marketers, advertisers, and those who love them to Chief Marketing Officer Confidential. CMO Confidential is a program that takes you inside the drama, the decisions, and the politics that go with being the head of marketing at any company in what is one of the most scrutinized jobs in the executive suite. I'm Mike Linton, the former chief marketing officer of Best Buy, eBay, Farmers Insurance, and Ancestry.com, here today with my guest, Paul Raitzer. Today's topic, A View from the Front Lines of Artificial Intelligence. Now, Paul started his career in advertising and marketing, and he became an early student of artificial intelligence. And Paul was so captivated by the potential of AI that he founded, and I'm not making this up, in 2016, the Marketing AI Institute, where he serves as the CEO. He's also the creator of the Marketing Artificial Intelligence Conference and wrote a book called uh, Marketing Artificial Intelligence.
2: Go figure. (laughs)
1: Go figure, how did that all work? Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about marketing, artificial intelligence, but given the recent explosion of AI in the news, we thought he'd be a great guest for our show. So welcome, Paul.
2: Thank you. It's great to be here. Looking forward to the conversation. It is certainly a wild timeline we are living in as humans.
1: We are. So the first question, uh, I mean, you can't pick up any kind of publication, much less a business publication without reading about AI or hearing about it. Tell us, give us a definition of AI really for our our listeners and then then we can talk about the category a little bit.
2: Yeah, so I, as you mentioned, I I had a marketing agency that was kind of my first phase of my career. So I owned a marketing agency um, and in 2011 became curious about artificial intelligence. IBM Watson went on Jeopardy and I was trying to figure out what it was and could it be applied to managing marketing budgets and predicting campaign performance and things like that. so that was kind of what led me down the path. But at the time, I was like, I actually have no idea what it is. And so I started trying to find a definition of artificial intelligence that made sense to me. And the only ones you could find was from AI people who weren't very good at explaining what it is that they did. So I eventually landed on AI is the science of making machines smart, which comes from Demis Hassabis, who maybe we'll get into a little bit. Demis founded a company called DeepMind, an AI lab that was acquired by Google. And Demis now runs AI research at Google. Uh, a new organization within it called Google DeepMind. So Demis says, again, AI is the science of making machines smart. It becomes more clear what that means if you replace machines with software. So if you think about all the software you use to do your marketing, to run your business, it's not smart. It doesn't learn anything. It doesn't improve. It doesn't make predictions or recommendations. It doesn't generate anything. It's all human all the time. So you give it the rules, you tell it what to do, and it does what you tell it. We are now moving into a world where the AI will be infused into the software and the software will be learning all the time. It'll be making recommendations. It'll be writing things for you. It'll be making predictions about outcomes. And so the software we use is about to get rapidly more intelligent. You've seen it in your personal life with like Spotify learning the music you love, Netflix recommending shows, Gmail finishing sentences, Tesla's driving themselves. So AI has been infused into our consumer lives for like a decade. It just wasn't living in our business and, and marketing lives and it's about to.
1: That is really interesting. So is the category overhyped or is AI overhyped or not? Or is it, is it, is is all this, you know, we're going to talk about it every second and and it's going to be on the front page of all kinds of things. Is it, is it, is that too much or is it about right?
2: So it leading to the death of humanity is overhyped. That's kind of the hot thing for the last couple of weeks. Uh, That is overhyped. Uh, my my argument would be that it's probably actually still underhyped in terms of what it's going to really do. So uh, to give you a sense, like about six years ago, around the time I started the Institute, I changed my entire investment strategy because there's about 10 companies in the world that were leading in AI at that time. And my belief was that the world and specifically the economy and Wall Street had no clue. And so I redistributed all of my investments into the companies that I believe were going to build the future of the world. And that was a really good bet. I think it's going to end up being a a better bet in the future. But I don't think that Wall Street still understands the value of all the data these companies have, nor the transformation it's going to cause to the workforce and the economy. And so I I still think that people, generally speaking, and I've talked to a lot of CEOs and boardrooms and venture capital firms, I don't think they really still grasp what's about to happen.
1: Well, I think it's super hard to grasp because (laughs) the concept is out there but the application layer is very ill defined yeah and 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 actually the outcome of the application layer is also or I'm just calling it the application layer but it's also super kind of unclear you've written a lot about this and and talked a lot about it and i want to start on, on the big front which is governments and militaries are working on on ai tell us how to think about this and the race across nations or you know, defense departments to be first? Like what what's going on there? How should we be thinking about that? And then we'll get to yeah. marketing in a minute.
2: Yeah, I think, so again, from a perspective standpoint, artificial intelligence was envisioned in the 1950s. So we started back in the 50s thinking we could build intelligent machines. Have you ever watched Imitation Game, Alan Turing trying to build a machine to decode, you know, yeah. the, the German code. And um, there was a guy named John von Neumann, uh, a U.S. guy. Uh, He was heavily involved in the idea of building computers because computers were humans like that did math in their head. That was the term computer came from. Um, So they theorized this idea that machines could do human like things back in the 50s. We just went through decades where it didn't deliver on its promise. But that didn't mean the government stopped trying to do it. So back in like the early 2000s into the teens. They were working on things like creating super soldiers. So the ability for soldiers to never get tired, never have fear. And so they were working on trying to actually manipulate and understand how the human brain work to create these super soldiers. They've been working on autonomous weapons that could not only fly themselves, but they have computers that, you know, from space could see something the size of a pinhead that could do uh, image recognition or facial recognition of terrorists. And they would embed these things in like insects that could fly yeah, into houses fly. and then like recognize people and make a kill shot if they wanted them to. So this is like for the last 15 years, they've been doing this. So from a government perspective, this isn't new. Uh, And so I I, I tend to not talk too much about this stuff because it is very dark and it's very crazy. But go read Pentagon's brain. It's like the best thing I can tell if you really are interested in this space. You'll understand like they have been trying to emulate the human brain for decades and and to then have the benefits of understanding how the mind works, because we generally don't know how the brain does what it does so efficiently.
1: But if it's if, it, if this is in the space that you just said, there's no way you can stop development, because if you stop development and other people do not or other countries do not, are you now at risk of falling behind?
2: Yes. So the book to read on that is called AI Superpowers by Kai-Fu Lee. Kai-Fu Lee was the president of Google China. He now runs a venture capital firm in China. And he tells the story of the like kind of the geopolitical race um, between these countries to achieve supremacy in ai so it's 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 equivalent to like nuclear warfare i'm not saying it's like as bad as nuclear warfare but it's this premise that well if you're going to be building it, we have to build it to protect ourselves and so governments have been racing to build this stuff for decades um, to protect themselves the challenge and the difference between AI warfare and nuclear warfare is nuclear warfare. You can track who the players are and who's building what, like you can follow the materials and you can use satellite imagery. You don't have that with AI. It could be somebody in their basement gets an open source code off a hugging face and like starts building some stuff. And you would have no idea. They don't even need massive compute power to do it. All right, well, that makes
1: me feel great. (laughs)
2: Uh, maybe it's not overhyped the death of humanity all right so
1: so so thank you for that uplifting conversation we're we're gonna we're gonna try and make this more positive well let's talk about the business side how should businesses be thinking about this um like i like you know i'm sure every board is asking every every ceo and cmo what are you going to do here what's your
2: advice So yes, they are. I have talked with a lot of them and many of them think they need to solve ChatGPT. Like ChatGPT was amazing because it showed up on the scene and everybody all of a sudden could experience AI, but it also led to this assumption that that's all AI was, was ChatGPT. So I've gotten a lot of phone calls from board leaders, venture capital firms, CEOs who are like, what do we do about this? So the way to think about it is AI does two primary things. Again, it's just smarter technology. It's software you would buy to run your business, but it's smarter and it learns and it gets better. it reduces costs and it accelerates revenue. It's The two main reasons you would think about infusing AI technology into your organization. It reduces costs by intelligently automating repetitive data-driven tasks. So as a CEO, as a leader, think about any business function, marketing, sales, service, ops, HR, finance, legal, and say, okay, what are the repetitive things my people do? They do the same 10 things every single time they do this task and they use data to do it. And we're trying to make predictions about things. Anywhere where those variables are true, you have a potential use case for artificial intelligence to drive efficiency in a company. And then the way it accelerates revenue is it's really good at making predictions about outcomes and behavior. So you can unlock value by getting better as a business about making predictions about what's going to happen in the future and what's going to get people to take actions. So
1: is this going to like blow up a ton of the agency and marketing models from a staffing standpoint? Like you think about programmatic marketing, you think about legal like brief development, you think about claims and insurance. You think about AI could do an awful lot of these jobs that are repetitive. Tell me, and 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 probably the easiest way to see this working is I think you called it efficiency. Yeah. Is man, you spend the money, you get the efficiency,
2: you bank the money.
1: Is is that how this is going to start out, do you think?
2: Yeah, as so it's- it penetrates business. Yeah. So I I wrote something called the law of uneven AI distribution. And the basic premise is it's not going to be evenly distributed, how much this benefits organizations and how quickly it's going to be in large part determined by their understanding of this technology. So do you have people on board who can actually figure out how to apply this? Um, your access to it. So are you allowed to even use these tools? If you're in financial services company or a healthcare company, you may not even be allowed to have ChatGPT. So you don't have access to the technology that you could be using. And then your acceptance of what do you have to give up to get it? So if you have to give up a bunch of private confidential data that you're not willing to use, you're not gonna realize the benefits of these technologies. So let's assume though, that none of those barriers exist, that we can just all go full steam ahead there's 132 million knowledge work or full-time jobs in the United States. hundred million of them are knowledge work jobs, people who think for a living. There isn't a single one of those that won't be impacted by this in the next three years. I'm not saying impact like replaced, but AI will be able to do or assist in differentiating portions of what those people do. For some people like a lawyer, it may be 20%. For people like a writer, it might be 30%. For people like an ad executive, might be 10%. it's not clear exactly how it's gonna play out, but anyone who does knowledge work for a living, and especially if they charge billable hours for it, you're going to be affected. Like there's there's no two ways around that. It's just how much, and then what do we do with the time saved? How do we d- redistribute that time?
1: So, so embedded in that answer was, you better start practicing with this because to figure out how to apply it, you have to have some practice. Was that, is that a fair comment?
2: Yeah. So I teach like the best thing about it is like a path to mastery. Comprehension is the first layer. You have to understand it at a deep level. Then competency, meaning you got to go try it yourself. Like I could sit here all day and tell you the things that blow my mind about GPT-4 from OpenAI. But until you go in and create your own out of office message with it or ask you to write an outline of uh, an hour meeting notes and then see what it does, you're not going to really truly comprehend how impactful this is going to be. So yeah, I don't care if you're the CEO or what your role is. You got to go play around with this stuff and see it for yourself because you'll start connecting the dots.
1: I agree with this. I've, I've been using it to do some research on some of the podcast topics and it yeah. saves so much time.
2: Ask it to write a script next
1: time. Give it like... Oh, like well, my scripts aren't very good. So I'm sure it's, <laughs> it's- going to be great. So you're never coming back on the show. <laughs> see, um- <laughs>
2: All podcast right. hosts so, are done. We, 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 we yeah, about, yeah, hosts.
1: I'm actually an, an, an AI bot right now just doing this <laughs> interview. So um, so a bunch of companies are going to throw a lot of money at this right away because they're going to be afraid of being left out. Yep. Is that the right answer? And then is that the right answer for the marketer and the ad agency folks that are listening to this?
2: No, I mean, throw money at what? Like you, you can't. It's I. So ironically, I had 2018, I had a company come to me, a multi-billion dollar manufacturing company. And they said, what would it cost to do AI for everything for our marketing? I was like, what does that even mean? Like, I don't even know what you're saying. And they're like, just just tell us, like we wanna do everything. How much money is it gonna take? And so I had to like build a framework of how to spend their money, like millions of dollars, just because that's what they wanted to do. And I was like, well, okay, here's what you're actually going to do though. We're going to pick one to two use cases per quarter. So we're gonna start with writing because everyone on our team writes. Then we're gonna look at ad budget management because we're spending a million dollars a year on advertising or a hundred million, whatever it is. We're going to pick things that have a high value to us, and then we're going to go find smarter tools to do those things better, more efficiently, have a greater probability of outcome. Then what we're going to do, while we're running all these pilot tests, we're going to start trying to solve big business problems, retention of customer base, audience growth, um, overall productivity. Um, It might be like identifying recruiting talent, like whatever the big problems are that we're always trying to solve. And now maybe there's a smarter way to solve them. We're going to start picking one of those a quarter and we're going to start trying to solve a big business problem. That's an approach to using AI, just like saying, let's go get AI because it's the hot thing. And my, my peer CEOs are talking about what they're doing. Like we got to do it too. No, like look at it as use cases, like practitioner level use cases, and then business problems that can be solved more intelligently.
1: I, I think this is a really important point for listeners, which is, Don't invest in the concept, invest in the outcome, or at least that's what I hear you saying. hundred percent. And then if you don't fully understand the outcome you want, investing in the concept is probably a really good way to lose a lot of money and spend a lot of money. And consultants that also may not give you what you want. Is, is, Is that a fair thing?
2: Yeah. And I'll tell you right now, nobody knows this stuff, not even the consultant firms who are telling you they know this stuff. So there's going to be a lot of money lit on fire with consultants who don't understand what a language model is, who are coming in trying to teach you how to do generative AI. So buyer beware is definitely going to be a really important aspect for the next probably one to two years, because where, where would people have learned this? Like, what has to happen right now is these big consulting firms have to take people who are brilliant strategists and they have to put them through AI school. I'm not saying like go back to school. I'm saying like they have to train these people what this stuff is and how it works so that they can advise clients. Right now, I don't know who those people are. Like they, they just don't exist. Think about it, this technology is six months old for most people. Now, I've been looking at it for 12 years, but like for most business strategists, most CEOs, most CMOs, like they didn't experience AI until November 30th, 2022, like when ChatGPT emerged, they weren't paying attention. And so, I mean, we're talking about an entire shift in business strategy and industry that is in its infancy, and there's very few people who can build this strategy.
1: Yes, we are going to put, in an upcoming show, we're going to put a venture capitalist on to talk about how they are investing in this. And I think the answer is going to be they're investing in the application layer, not in the concept, because the concept is, Pretty expensive. Yeah. Um, so if I'm at an eight, you know, we talked about ad agencies, we talked about marketers, anybody out there that you would say is doing a best practice in AI now?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, from a brand perspective, it's tough to find, honestly. Um, there, So the way I look at this is there's pre Chat GPT and there's post Chat GPT. Pre Chat GPT, before November 2022, There was a lot of brands doing brilliant stuff with machine learning, like where the data comes in it makes predictions about stuff. So like Target comes to mind. Target has like 370 AI and machine learning engineers within their company. They're doing it for all kinds of things, price optimization, personalization. So there was brands like that in every industry who were doing really fascinating things. When you look at the application of generative AI, the ability for the machine to write text, generate images, generate videos, generate audio, it's so nascent. But I just saw like earlier this week, Wendy's just announced that they're infusing a chatbot like a, I don't know if they're using GPT-4 or not, but a chatbot into the drive-through. And it's been trained on the common ways people ask for things like a junior bacon cheeseburger. They know JBC is people apparently order a JBC. So the model has been trained and tuned on how customers talk to it. And I think it's trained in multiple languages. So you're gonna actually potentially have an AI agent taking all these drive-through orders, which is probably a massive headache for these big fast food chains to properly staff the drive-throughs. So that's the kind of stuff we're gonna start seeing is really novel applications of this capability where people understand it and say, oh, I know how we could use that in our business.
1: Yeah, all right, I'll I'll have a single and an order of AI with that. (laughs) Um, How about worst practices? Like I'm sure you're watching people run to the concept uh, you can name names if you want, of course, but worst practices that you're seeing as people embrace this?
2: Uh, falling in the camp of just because you can doesn't mean you should. There's a lot of people who, as soon as they realized AI could write articles and blog posts, just started pumping out dozens or hundreds of pieces of content, thinking that they could win the SEO game or whatever and replace their writers by having AI write all this stuff. It's a horrible idea. It's not going to work in the end. And the thing people don't realize is you don't own the copyright to any of that. So the US Copyright Office said in March 16th, they updated guidance that if an AI generates something, image, video, text, doesn't matter, you don't own a copyright to it. And a human prompt that told the machine what to create is not authorship. So you have all these agencies, you have all these freelancers, you have all these people within brands that were creating all this content, awesome, let's go do this stuff, I can do it in 10th time. And it's like, great, You, you don't own it. And if you're the CMO and you hire an agency, And unbeknownst to you under your work for hire agreement, they're using AI to generate the stuff for you. You don't have the copyright on the stuff you thought you had. So uh, I'm
1: sitting there and well, I wanna talk about like, I think there was a Google uh, show yesterday. Yeah, the IO. You know, I wanna talk about the impact on search and then the impact on programmatic and then the impact on creative. Just riff on all this stuff right now because you can plug AI into all these spaces.
2: Yeah, just so, the
1: marketing side. I mean, uh, we'll take the efficiency thing out of there, but yeah. tell me what's gonna happen and functionally to all this stuff.
2: So I'll, I'll start with search. I have no idea. Um, nobody actually seems to no, know. I'm not sure Google knows what's gonna happen to search. So there's a growing sub- sentiment, at least in my mind that Google is just going all in and they may cannibalize their own business in the process. And I don't think they have a choice anymore. So I think search is gonna rapidly transform. They showed what the new search will look like during the Google IO conference, which is basically I conduct a search and up top, rather than my snippet, I actually get like a generative narrative. So like, let's say I'm going to Italy. I'm planning a trip to Italy for my family of four. I have young kids. What would be the best things I'm going to be there for four days? Where should I stay in town? And what are the sites I should take them to? If I put that question into Google, think about what you would get right now. You'd get 10 ads and then you'd get like a bunch of links. And I'm like, click around. In this case, you're going to get maybe a three to 500 word response with as though a travel agent wrote it for you. Here's where you should stay. These are the sites you should see. And on the right hand side next to that, maybe a video link, or it might be like a the destination Italy or like whatever. Like there's gonna be a few things there, but I will have my answer. That's what the the search experience of the future will be is you will get actual answers and not like a single line. You're gonna get like depth to these things. So you start thinking, well, what does that mean to add units? What does it mean right. to search? I don't believe that they know. I don't think they know whether ads are gonna work in that model, how it's gonna work. They're gonna piss off a bunch of publishers. They're gonna like drive the SEO industry crazy, and I think that the the threat to their business model is so high right now that they're gonna throw everything they have at disrupting everything. It's like I think they poked the bear like OpenAI, Microsoft like they did what they did and they got a head start with Bing and like infusing this in. But we're talking about the most advanced AI company in the world, probably bar none. Not only yeah. do they have all the AI researchers and all the technology, they have their own chips. They have the processing power to do this. OpenAI had to take 10 billion from Microsoft to get access to the processing power. They don't own it. Google owns yeah. all of it. And so I just like, I've said from the beginning, Google may take some bruises here, but I would never bet against what they're, I think what they now have the fortitude to do. Like it it took shaking things up, but I, I really think we're gonna see a level of innovation from Google that we have never seen before. Wow. So marketers be ready. Ad yeah, and You might, you might not ready. like their answers when it comes yeah, to like yeah. ads and exactly. SEO, but that
1: can, that can really change the entire, the entire consumer interface process could blow up here and in, in a lot of interesting and threatening and maybe great ways all at the yeah. same time. Yeah. All right. So, as we're, we're running towards the end of the show and maybe we should make this a regular uh, <laughs> We might need to come back and, a month from now, <laughs> and, and be regular, uh, because, you know, AI from the front lines, um, funniest story. You, you can take this question anywhere you want in yeah. two parts or one part funniest story or piece of practical advice we haven't discussed yet or both before we end the show.
2: Uh, from a practical advice standpoint, I, I'm trying to think of a funny one while I'm doing this, but I have a theory and that is that more human content wins. And what I mean by that is, everything is going to be able to be faked. Images are gonna look real, go look at mid journey five, like look at the quality, they're photorealistic. You won't be able to tell if an image is real or not. You won't be able to tell if a piece of content is real or not. You won't be able to tell if videos are real or not by the next election. So what we see online, what we create as brands, it's gonna be really hard to know what's real and what's not. So you have to think about the things that are really hard to fake. Conversations like this, it's you and me, these aren't synthetic versions of us. Events, podcasts, editorials, interviews with points of view, like I would really think about diversifying your storytelling strategy and your brand into things that people know are authentically presented and created by humans. I believe once generative AI makes content sort of a commodity that anyone can create it or have it at any time, we're going to crave human generated content, things we know came from people. And I think it's going to happen pretty quickly. And so I would think about that as a brand, as an organization. How do we diversify like YouTube, for example, if you don't have a YouTube strategy, I would really think about that because that inf- I could see that being infused into the search results way more than it is today. And I think you're just going to see a blending of images and videos and audio into all the search stuff. Um, so yeah, I would say more human content, find outside agencies, internal people who are great storytellers who can help you figure out how to tell a more authentic story.
1: Well, that is super helpful and a great way to end the show. Thank you very much, Paul. Thank and you. Thanks to everyone for listening to CMO Confidential. Look for more of our shows on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple, and YouTube. We're already there, Paul which include what I learned as the first ever CMO of New York City under Mayor Bloomberg, why the short shelf life of CMOs parts one and two, the decline of creativity and what to do about it, and lastly, why marketing and IT should be best friends forever. Hey, all you marketers, be safe out there. This is Mike Linton signing off for CMO Confidential.
0: This episode of CMO Confidential is produced and sponsored by AdCom. One of the premier integrated marketing and advertising agencies, Adcom works with mid-market companies to create measurable returns. With 30 plus years experience, Adcom partners to lead innovative strategy, creative, media, and analytics for growth-oriented brands that want to differentiate themselves in a crowded field. Working in B2B, B2C, healthcare, financial services, transportation, building products, and consumer goods, AdCom leverages unique internal and external insights to create dynamic and lasting brands ready to maximize their market position. For more information, visit us at engageadcom.com.
2: Are you tired of the same old productivity hacks? Have you read the top 20 books on effectiveness and yet your workdays and email inbox still causing anxiety, burnout, and even depression? Ready to learn the latest in brain based modalities, techniques, and technologies to optimize your success and well being? Welcome to the Focus to Evolve podcast, where we'll illuminate your path to spacious productivity and balanced thriving. Each week, we dive into deeply insightful and immediately impactful methods to help you become highly effective while promoting health, profitability, and well-being. Say goodbye to the trance of busyness and hello to your highest potential. It's time to discover a new way of accelerating your mission, growth, and purpose. Join us on the Focus to Evolve podcast and get ready to live your most joyful, productive, and fulfilling life.